RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Oh, so much to discuss here on the program. So many angles, so many underdogs, and we're ready to cover it and talk lots and lots of college hoops here on the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs. In this case, in the college hoop world from now through March through the Final Four, great to have you with us. I am your somewhat capable, somewhat lucid host. He is senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. Kevin Rogers back with me on Three Dog Thursday. How are you, sir, with another week? Ready to go? Yeah, yeah. A pretty exciting week, I guess. You know, getting some drama on college basketball. So that's good. You know, a couple uh, crazy games in the Bluegrass State this week. So <laughs> definitely uh yeah, I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but still uh, pretty nutty. But, uh, you know, you had a crazy finish with Virginia and Carolina, so it's getting good right now. Yeah, and we know that some of the teams, the the, the Blue Bloods, I mean, they're always going to draw interest and controversy, whether you're talking about Duke and their great comeback that we're going to talk about coming up against Louisville, Kentucky, and the controversy that Kevin is mentioning midweek with the finish to the LSU game. How about Kansas? Looked like Kansas again on Monday night, winning in overtime. They're down a couple of guys. It doesn't matter. They have some reserves that have stepped up. Why do I get the feeling that that come the end of the Big 12, they're going to be up there on the top, uh, if not the outright champs, the co-Big 12 champs? We'll see. But you know, Michigan State got a huge win earlier in the week. Uh, again, some of the premier programs that always seem to rise right around March, Kevin, just as a general comment, seem to be rounding into form, or at least they're in the middle of significant games and and, uh, and important games, right? Yeah, well, first with Kansas, obviously a very big win for them at TCU on Monday night because they've been terrible on the road, and, and they, they had suffered several losses to Texas and to Kansas State, and they got shocked by you know West Virginia, who's really down this year earlier in Big 12 play. So they really needed that one. You know, Virginia was up uh, comfortably at the half at North Carolina, then they kind of dried up in the second half before they made the rally late to win. So that was a big game for them after they lost to Duke. And Carolina coming off a tough overtime win over Miami uh, last Saturday. So, you know, the top of the ACC has still been, you know, very good. But, uh, yeah, Virginia, big win. Kansas, Michigan State, you know, some of these teams that, uh, you know, Michigan State had some struggles, you know, over the last week or so. So some of these teams that really needed to win, that weren't very sharp got wins and and yeah you know it really doesn't matter i guess when you get it done as long as it's before march and these teams we'll see if it, if it turns out that way they get it done and, and they become high seeds we will uh we will find out and uh again michigan uh you know interesting that conference play will level things michigan goes to penn state who had won one big 10 game all year and they not only play poorly but john beeline gets thrown out of the game they lose that game. We see these weird things in conference play where these upsets will happen, where teams at the bottom can somehow equalize with some of the tougher teams at the top. You don't want to stub your toe. But, I mean, if the, if we get to the end of this, 
where the committee says to Michigan, you're a three seed, for example, Kevin, you know this, instead of a two seed, they may point to that early February loss at Penn State where you lost to uh, essentially what a 1-10 in 10 Penn State Big Ten team. You, you can't have losses like that and maintain a high seed. you got to be careful. Yeah, but you know what, though? I really believe when you get to this point, or at least in the tournament, you know, because you have all these neutral site games, really what difference does it make if you're a two or a three? All you do is change your uniform color. Seriously, that, you know, you get to that point, yeah, you don't want to go from a one to a three or a one to a four, but if you're a two or if you're a three, I don't really think it makes that big of a difference, honestly, because like we talk about all, all, all the time, it all depends on your matchups. If Virginia didn't draw UMBC, if they drew any of the other 16 seeds, they could have gone pretty far. They just had a terrible matchup with a team that was better than a 16 seed. So that's just what it comes down to that, you know, if you get fortunate with your draw, like Loyola Chicago, what they did, they drew a couple teams uh, past the second round that were lower seeds that pulled off upsets earlier. It's all, It really is the luck of the draw when he gets to the tournament. Very true. Very true on that. Okay, so let me lay out what we're going to do here on the show. And by the way, you can find us on Three Dog Thursday, not only if you found us through Radio Influence, but subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. That's how you can find this show and stay locked in all the way through March, all the way through the Final Fours. We pick the underdogs. Uh, Kevin, um, it, it, there's controversy, so we're going to talk about the controversy of the Kentucky-LSU game coming up. We're each going to make an underdog pick for some early Thursday action earlier in the evening on Three Dog Thursday. And then I'm going to bring you back later in the show. Rob Stone will be here from Fox Sports. Love Stoney. Does a great job in the studio with their college basketball coverage on Fox. Uh, I'm anxious to talk. They, they obviously have the exclusive deal with the Big East Conference, but he also uh, it works in and around their Big Ten, their Pac-12 coverage as well on Fox. So I, I get to pick his brain on several different subjects and see what he thinks of some different things and some teams rounding into shape for the tournament. And then Kevin's going to be back with me. We'll talk about some late-night Thursday night games in the Pac-12, and then we have to peek ahead to the weekend, including the huge SEC showdown, Tennessee and Kentucky. We're going to kind of make some reference to that here in a few minutes, but we'll talk about that game a little bit on the Saturday of college basketball as well later on in the show. So let's get into the the two games, as you mentioned, in the Bluegrass State. It was anything but dull on Tuesday evening for Kentucky at home and Louisville at home, about 75 miles separate them. Controversy surrounding the end of the Kentucky game, collapse for the Louisville Cardinals in the game with Duke. Let's talk Kentucky LSU. So a lot of debate uh, as we're taping Three Dog Thursday about the call, about the tip-in, the winning tip-in by LSU's uh, Cable Bigby Williams. He tipped in the game-winning basket uh, with no time left to win 73-71. Kentucky fans still belly aching a day later about whether or not that was basket interference or not. Kevin, where do you come down on the controversy at the end of the game and all the parts of it? Let's get into it. Go ahead. What do you think? Well, number one, it, it was interference. I mean, I mean, we saw that the ball was in the rim, and, and you can't, obviously, as an offensive player, knock well, or defensive player, depending on who you are, you can't knock it off the rim. But this is where, you know, I don't say it ties into what happened in it, it doesn't tie into what happened in the NFC championship in a sense, but when it, when they say the play is not reviewable, and this is not a judgment call. This is a ruling, you know, as opposed to like the pass interference, in the NFC championship, 
I think at this point in time, as far as like in, in life, we cannot have plays that are not reviewable like that. They have to be reviewable. You're telling me on the final play of the game, it's not reviewable. How is that possible when it's clear as day, the ball was knocked off the rim, you check the replay, no good, let's play five more minutes and go to overtime. You know, and then and LSU can't really complain about it because they know it was interference. So well, it is you interesting. Do that, you start all over again. It is interesting that there was so much belly aching about no review, no pass interference in Louisiana. And look, out of out of New Orleans, eight or nine out of every ten people's an LSU fan, so they didn't have any problem whatsoever with this basket interference or not not being reviewable in that case. So it just depends on which. And I realize it's a regular season LSU Kentucky game, not a Final Four game or a national championship game. But still, the judgment call going their way uh, seems to be fine with Louisianans uh, after this. I will take issue with you. And by the way, I'm going to put this photo up uh, on our social media, yours and mine, and the Three Dog Thursday uh, Twitter feed. You'll be able to see the photo. I contend and have contended now off the air and on another interview already before we tape this show that most of that ball is off the rim, that that uh, Bigby Williams's hand is not over the rim when he's tipping the ball in. When you slow it down and freeze it, it is debatable as to whether that ball is over the cylinder or not. I think at least three-quarters of it is is off the rim when he's tipping it in. It's a total judgment call. And and look, I know you were you were taking up for John Calipari saying the same thing after the game where he says, how is this not reviewable? I would agree with that. But the coaches that are involved at their coaches' convention and the competition uh, aspect of the coaches, they, they dictate as to what we go over and look at. And remember, for so many years, Kevin, they wouldn't look at the shot clock or they wouldn't look at – uh, certain things uh, on the review, like who's the ball out of bounds off of. Now we look at that. It's like we do this piecemeal instead of saying in the last minute or the last two minutes, everything's reviewable. And here's what you get. We're in 2019. It's not reviewable. One more point, though, too, on judgment, because this one is, again, I'm taking issue with you. This one is judgment on is it over the basket or not for basket interference or for or for defensive goaltending, offensive goaltending, interfering with it. Um the same thing is with the charge block. I don't want charge block reviewed. We'll, we'll be there until midnight if charge block is reviewed. I don't have to have traveling review. Did he travel or not? And we got a coach challenge with a red flag. I can let some of the judgment go. Now, is his foot out of bounds where a replay clearly shows a foot on the line out of bounds? Yes. Did the shot clock hit zero before the shot's out of his hand? Yes. But on some of this, you got to leave the human element in the judgment. Charge, block, travel or not, basket interference, yes, no. you got to have some judgment from the human beings. Kevin, uh, your thoughts on my diatribe there. Well, first of all, just going back to one thing, the comparison with the Saints and LSU, obviously, you know, just because of, of location, that's why we have a comparison there. I'm going to go back to this, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I guess, as they say, uh, what, I'm going I'm to die on the spear or whatever. <laughs> fall on the sword, what, right, right. Or fall on the sword, whatever on this, that even in that Saints game, they still did not lose the game on that play. You still had, they still had the ball. They, the Rams still had to go down the field and kick a field goal. The Saints still had the ball start overtime. This lost the game for Kentucky. Now, that doesn't mean if they take it off, LSU can't win an overtime. LSU can certainly win an overtime, and then it all doesn't matter. You know, but I'm saying that that lost the game. Like, that's what made it even worse. That's why I still contend that pass interference was a bad no call, but it didn't lose the game for them. You know, right. and 
you know, that's where I say in this, and you know what? Okay, fine. You want to say the judgment call? Fine. Like, that's okay. But I guess the point is, is that it's the final play of the game. We're just not, we're just not going to look at it. And, and I understand the rule. I'm, I'm saying it's got to be amended. Right, it's got to be fixed. Right. But we're just not going to look at something that affects the entire game. And, you know, and luckily both these teams are in the tournament that LSU is going to go. They're 10 and one or whatever they are in the SEC. And Kentucky is obviously going to go. But imagine if, let's just say, a team that was on the bubble right won that game and they shouldn't have won the game and they get in the tournament and knock someone else let's out say, you know you say a perfect Wait a example second, you can't check let's say it's Florida or let's say it's Arkansas that are two teams that are debatable right now out of the SEC for the NCAA tournament and it's one of them tipping the ball in to beat Kentucky at Kentucky whereas it's just a, it's just another loss if they lose but it's a win at Kentucky in the eyes of the committee that's your point because it would have been more or you flip it right or you flip it and you say if Kentucky is at Florida and Kentucky got the basket and Florida would have beat them Florida would have had that win or let's just say it was a one point game just we're, we're going hypothetical here but if that was a one point win instead and they didn't change it or, or it was an obvious goaltend. Well, we didn't get in the tournament because of this. Why? Because you didn't review Not because you reviewed it and then didn't change it. <laughs> because you didn't review it at sure. all. It's like, that's got to be fixed. I mean, we got to this point with technology and cameras. And, like, just get it. I've always believed, you say the human element, I always believe just get it right. I don't care. Get it right somehow. If you have the proof to get it right, then get it right. Well, and uh, and it should be noted they went over to the monitor because this is in their mechanics and what they have to do to make sure was there any time that should still be left on the clock. That's what they were looking at. And then you could see Joe Lindsay, the the uh, referee, turn to John Calipari and say game over because the clock. They were not looking at basket interference. They were looking at did the tip happen before the red light and is there a tenth of a second, two tenths of a second? The answer is no because the ball was still falling through the net when the red light was on. So that's what they were looking at in that game. But uh, I think we're in agreement. The only caveat I have, and I I will continue to bang the table metaphorically on this. I'm not going to bang the table right now on Three Dog Thursday. Is they have got to, at the head of the officiating level, they have got to regulate how long the reviews are, too. That's another thing that we keep talking about. These things take forever. Sometimes they take two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. You've got to have a set time, and it's got to be uniform across college basketball we're going to go look for 90 seconds. The replays are going to start for 90 seconds, and if in 90 seconds you don't have a definitive replay, then we're going to do what we've done for 40 years of college basketball, stick with the call on the floor. If it's not obvious within 90 seconds, look at the replay three or four times. That's it. They don't regulate it right now, so it's it's crazy while we're on the whole replay thing, but I agree with you, and I agree with John Calipari even, that if we're going to review um, things in the final minute that could decide a game, then, it, then maybe we should just review everything. Within a 90-second parameter, review anything and everything that could decide a game or not. Uh, and again, a huge win for LSU, and now Kentucky gets set to play Tennessee. Okay, so that was not the only memorable thing from this week. Kevin Rogers, what in the name of Colonel Sanders, uh, based in Louisville, Kentucky, with Kentucky Fried Chicken, at the Kentucky Fried Chicken Yum Center, what was that collapse? They were, they, look, Duke was extra crispy while I'm on the KFC metaphor. They were done. They were cooked. They were down 23. What in the world happened to lose that game? Not only to lose it and blow it, but blow it in regulation. Didn't even go to overtime. What's up? 
So I'll I'll just I'll just be honest with you that Tuesday night I got home and I saw Louisville was up and they were controlled the game. Okay, fine. And I got up Wednesday morning and somebody had tweeted out, you know, I can't believe that they blew it. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold on a second. And I looked I'm like, they they lost the game, like they lost. And then I watched the replay, the final like yep. six minutes or so yep. on ESPN and uh, or ESPNU uh, re-aired it. And I'm just saying, like, how did that? No, not at the 23 point mark when it got to about 10. And, you, and I think we all know watching basketball, even a game gets down to 10, it's anybody's game. Like it, it right. can turn around that fast. But just watching and seeing the bad possessions by Louisville and, and the old, they didn't play to win, they just played not to lose. Like literally trying to like run the clock out, but forgetting there's a shot clock and Duke hit some big threes, you know. Great turnovers, quick turnovers. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it was bad. You know, they had, and and I say to myself, uh, Duke missed a shot. Louisville got the rebound. And I said, oh, wow, they're up five with two and a half minutes left or two and change left. I said, how did this happen? And then as soon as that happened, the guy slipped and Duke picked it up and laid it in to make it. Like, oh, great, it's a three-point game. That's just totally, you know, going to hell in a handbasket for – for Louisville, and at that point, you're finished. Like, like you're totally finished if you're Louisville. And you know what? You have a team like that down the way you do, and you can't close it out. It's pretty bad. It's a horrible meltdown there, and that's a great win for Duke. All right, so let's go over a couple other things. Again, it was a 23-point lead with roughly about 10 minutes left. And at that point, Reese Davis of ESPN, Jimmy Dykes, who were doing the commentary, they were into their blowout material. And Reese Davis is somewhat jokingly, sometimes a blowout loss like this is like a paddle on the backside of your soul, that your soul gets cleansed on this. They're joking about that. Uh, and, and Jimmy Dykes even qualified it a little bit and said, look, it's not over, but this is over. I mean, they're down by 23. It's 59 to 36. The game, The game should be done. Uh, and then they gave them life, and more importantly, Duke went to the press, went with those big, athletic, long-arm players, distorting passing lanes, deflecting balls, Zion Williamson, Reddish, Barrett, the freshman. They've got a couple of other guys that are long, that are, that are uh, long-armed and lanky and able to distort the passing lanes or step in front. And it's like Louisville had never practiced press break. They continued to throw the ball inbounds in the corner. You never do that. Never. Never inbound the ball, especially to a little guard in the corner where he's trapped. Uh, they get across half court, and he would trap himself up high in the corner by the out-of-bounds line and by the mid-court stripe. So uh, a great job by Coach K's team to not give up. Some perspective. I mean, we've seen great comebacks from collapses. Heck, the Patriots in the Super Bowl down 28-3. to You don't ever give up. We saw, remember the NCAA tournament game, Texas A&M, Northern Iowa, 2016 tournament, now three years ago, uh, where they came back from 14 down, 14 down with 45 seconds left, and they primarily did it, again, with the full court press, Kevin, and being able to strip the ball away or steal it in the backcourt and get easy hoop after easy hoop because Northern Iowa couldn't get the ball in. So my point is, this is not unprecedented. It's still the greatest comeback in a second half by a Coach K team ever at Duke. And it's going to go down as an all-time collapse. And I wonder now if Chris Mack's Louisville team, which has had a pretty good year, how psychologically damaged are they from this? Is this something that they may not recover from the rest of the year? What do you think? I don't know if I want to go that far just because it's Duke. 
you know, and they dominated them for a while. I mean, we know Louisville can hang with these teams. We saw them win at North Carolina in convincing fashion, and they had a great start. They, they, they've still played very well in the ACC, you know, losing to Duke. I mean, if they, you know what it is? I, I'm not too sure. If they lost a 23-point lead to Boston College at home, would you say, is that psychologically damaging? Or 23 to Duke, because Duke is, a, is an elite team, that, all right, well, it's still a team that, you know, can't do that, you know. They're just better than us regardless. And, you know, we had a shot to win. We didn't. You know, we move on. I, I don't know. It, it's really a, it's really a tough thing to, to answer, obviously. But, you know, for Louisville, they didn't have high expectations going into the season. And sure. they, they have definitely overestimated whatever, you know, overachieved whatever they have done with Chris Mack now. I, I just think that tough loss but i mean you got to move on you have to and, and maybe not today or tomorrow but you know their next game that they, they got to move on it's a tough one but i think you know deep down for you know what 40 minutes or so that you were dominating one of the best teams in the country yeah right at about 30 minutes of the game until about the 10 minute mark when it started to unravel uh, again minutes, I'm, I'm miscount, so i can't count 30 minutes. that's okay yeah. And, and, and uh, Louisville thanks you because they wanted the game to be 30 minutes long, not 40 minutes long, uh, because that's what enabled Duke to come back. You look at you look at Louisville, they got that road win at North Carolina, but they've now lost three of their last four. They, they coughed up a lead and lost to overtime to your Florida State Seminoles, Kevin Rogers, on Saturday in Tallahassee. They lose this game. They now play Clemson at home. If they don't find a way to regroup Saturday, Louisville, at Syracuse for the next game next week. Then Virginia comes into Louisville. Then they go to Boston College, which may not be easy because BC's a bit improved. They then play Notre Dame, and they finish the regular season at Virginia. If they don't beat Clemson Saturday, I'm just putting it out there, they could slide all the way out. The L may not just stand for Louisville. There may be a lot of L's, L's, L's the rest of the season for the Louisville Cardinals. Let's see. Let's see how psychologically damaged uh, they are or they aren't after blowing a 23-point lead. By the way, Kevin knows this because he loves the stats, as we like to talk about these things on Three Dog Thursday. That wasn't even the biggest comeback of this college basketball season in the second half or this calendar year. Are you ready? Bucknell, the Bucknell Bisons of the Patriot League, they were down 28 against the United States uh, Military Academy at West Point against Army. Bucknell down 28, Kevin, in the second half of the game at Army and came back and won the game earlier in January. So that's the biggest comeback. Duke the second biggest right now at 20, down 23 in the, in the uh, second half. And people forget, here's another nugget while we talk college basketball. Kentucky under Rick Pitino, very famously against who? LSU down 31 in the second half. Back in 1994, the second largest comeback in the history of college basketball, down by 31, came back to win in 1994. Uh, that was Tony Delk and Jamal Mashburn and that team. Kentucky and LSU. So maybe the well, LSU I'll tip give you, I'll give you yeah. another comeback. Yeah. I'll give you another comeback, TJ, on Wednesday that uh, – or rather on Tuesday night that a lot of people didn't even notice, I'm sure. And, you know, yes, it's not going to rival Duke's 23-point uh, comeback. But in the in the other MAC, not the Mid-American, but the Metro Atlantic, Ryder was up seven over Quinnipiac. Okay, no big deal. With 24 seconds left in regulation, oh. and Quinnipiac came back and tied him to go to overtime, and they won. Oh, how much does that burn? Painful. Very nice. I score you five more bonus points for Ryder and Quinnipiac 
uh, there in the uh, and the, these are memories that you make forever. Put it this way, all right. As much as you might bellyache if you're a Louisville fan, that it 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 just it's mind blowing that you would blow that lead. Zion Williamson is only going to play one time ever in Louisville. He's a freshman phenom. He's going to the NBA. No one will ever forget. 10 years from now, 25 years from now, his one and only game there when they were down by 23 in the last 10 minutes to roar back and win. You talk about an all-time memory. Yeah, it's a negative, but nobody will ever forget his one and only game with Duke and with Coach K. Incredible with what happened there. All right, so uh, we need to give everybody an underdog each here. Whet their appetite. It is Three Dog Thursday. So let's move on to the Thursday games uh, and, and see what we like in different conferences. Not as many power conference games to choose from on Thursday nights. Uh, we will look ahead to Saturday a little bit. There are a few. Where do you want to begin with a college basketball underdog? What do you like for one right now, Kevin? And I'm going to give one as well to the audience. I'm going to start in Conference USA and the minors of Texas El Paso of UTEP. They are going to Louisiana Tech on Thursday night, and they are a double-digit underdog. Now, UTEP has not won back-to-back games this year, so I just want to put that out there. They're coming off a home win over FIU. But UTEP, their last three opportunities as an off a win, as an underdog of nine or more, they've covered. So they may not win that second game, but they're going to hang if they're a big underdog. And Louisiana Tech, coming off a tough overtime loss to Southern Miss over the weekend, and they're excellent at home. They're terrible on the road. So they're back at home. They're expected to win being at home. But still, I think that, you know, Louisiana Tech's had so many ups and downs and some bad losses in the conference, and, you know, UTEP isn't that great. But I think the Miners will hang around in this one on the road and grab the cover against Louisiana Tech. How about that little CUSA? And you've gone CUSA a couple of times before here on this program. Uh, We should mention now that in the last three weeks of Three Dog Thursday, Kevin and I are a combined 5-1 and with Thursday Night Underdogs. So pay attention to these underdogs when we're giving them on Thursday as Kevin goes with the UTEP Miners. I go with another team, non-Power 6, because we include the Big East and the Power 6 of college basketball. In this case, I'm going to go Sunbelt Conference underdog. I'm going to get the privilege to work the Sunbelt Conference Championship weekend again uh, in March for the automatic bid in New Orleans for the Sun Belt, the Arkansas State Red Wolves taking on the Texas State Bobcats. Kevin Rogers, you love these kind of stats. Right now, going into play midweek in the Sun Belt Conference, you have the top two teams, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, University of Louisiana, and Georgia State, and, and, and Lafayette beat them on Friday night, so uh, ULL right now, the top team in the Sun Belt. Teams 3 through 11, Kevin, are only separated by three games in the standings. Only by three losses in the standings separates third place from 11th place. So jumble it up here. Texas State traveling to Arkansas State, laying five points. Texas State right now at 8-3 and three in the conference. So on paper, this looks like it should be an easy win for them. However, Arkansas State, as a five-point underdog, has already covered in numerous situations at home as an underdog. They beat Florida Atlantic earlier in the year as a home underdog. They beat Missouri State out of the Missouri Valley Conference as a home underdog. Heck, they went to ULL and handed them one of their two losses on the season in the conference. They beat Louisiana at Louisiana as an 11-point underdog. They also have another recent win um, as an underdog as well on the road against Arkansas Little Rock. So they have four victories as an underdog outright already this season. 
I think they win this game. I will take the Red Wolves and the five points, thank you, at home in Jonesboro against Texas State in the Sun Belt Conference. A bit of a surprise. Arkansas State's record not very good overall, but they have four outright wins as an underdog. Give me five. Give me five and the Red Wolves for that game this weekend. Kevin, stand by. We've got more on the way with you here on Three Dog Thursday. Rob Stone of Fox is here to talk more college basketball, their college basketball coverage on Fox and FS1 in their studio coverage of the Big East, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. That's all straight ahead. Stay with us as we continue here on Three Dog Thursday. As advertised, I love, love getting the chance to catch up with this guy. It has been far too long since I get to say hey to Stoney. Rob Stone, who I've known longer uh, longer than I want to admit. He doesn't age, though. You still look like you're 25 on these Fox uh, uh, pregames and studio coverage. Rob Stone of College Basketball Coverage on Fox. How you doing? I'm doing great. You're right. It has been too long. By the way, how was I advertised? Uh, you are advertised as a killer studio guy on all things, whether it be okay. soccer, basketball, or even do I see you doing pro bowling again, the PBA? Yeah, bowling's back in my world, my friend. <laughs> bowling is back, baby. <laughs> the I ham bone. And get the ham bone That's out. Right. Uh, with this, I, I love that about. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have fun with Rob because he'll remember this. When I was doing local radio, local five day a week sports radio, Stone would come on with me with a regular guest hit, and the show was so important to him that one night you're gonna remember this, you're gonna laugh. One night yep. he excused himself from dinner with his family to come do a radio conversation with me to talk about the weekend i said your family's in town and you've excused yourself from family to be on the radio with me that either means i have a really good radio show or you have no life or or maybe both or maybe neither i don't know yeah, that's you it's a, it's a, let's just yeah let's just say it's all of the above yeah i think i think so well listen you do a great job you have a lot of fun uh with your colleagues jim jackson casey jacobson uh, steve lavin is sometimes in the studio before we get into any specifics about college basketball how much of a blast is it to be in the studio in LA and otherwise talking college hoops uh showing highlights analysis the whole thing night in and night out day in and day out yeah I mean we, we get paid to do this and it's fantastic and I get to surround myself with really good human beings people who are experts in their field whether it's soccer college football college hoops bowling but also just really good people that I enjoy spending time with which is a good thing because I end up spending a lot of time with some of these people and you know, the beauty of working with somebody for long stretches of time and, and over a duration of time is that you really kind of get to know each other and know some of their, their idiosyncrasies. You can kind of overhear a conversation. I, tell, I do it to Jim Jackson probably twice a week where I'll overhear something he's saying or something he did, and I'll just kind of jot it in the back of my brain, and I'll bring it up out of the middle of nowhere of like a Utah-Oregon halftime game, <laughs> and he'll just look at me and like, where are you coming up with this? Why are you doing this to me? And we both just laugh. We have fun. And, um, it, you know, it, that's what sports are. You know, you're there to be entertained. You're there to have fun. You're there to be passionate. You're there to care. And um, I've always cared about college basketball. I, I, I grew up in North Carolina and Connecticut, so, um, you know, I, I was born on Tar Heel Blue, and then I moved to Connecticut, and I was there when UConn had their rise and I've always enjoyed college hoops more than the NBA. And I think it's just because there's so many great storylines. There's so many crazy finishes. There's full on passion for 40 minutes rather than the NBA where they kind of look up at the scoreboard at the end of the third quarter and decide is it time to play defense. So we have a chance to win this game or not. 
and then you actually play basketball. I, I just I love everything College Hoops stands for, and uh, this season in particular has been really unique, and um, I, I've enjoyed kind of this resurgence of college basketball in the national conversation. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, uh, and of course, Fox is the exclusive home of the Big East on Fox and FS1 and their app. And, and Villanova, oh, by the way, the defending national champs, two of the last three. Great game back on Saturday against Marquette. What an atmosphere in their new arena as the, uh, the Golden Eagles were able to get the victory uh, in that one. And it's always fun to be at the Garden for the Big East tournament, which you've yeah. done now a few times. Uh, just whet the, whet the appetite of the audience. What is it like to be part of the Garden and be part of the Big East tournament as you have been recently? Yeah, you know, the Garden is different. It really is. And um, I grew up on the East Coast, and, you know, I knew it through the Knicks and the Rangers and maybe concerts and things like that. But that first time you walk into the Garden, um, the, the air smells different. You know, you, you, you're able to walk the steps a little quicker. Uh, you definitely take time to scan. You kind of take out the panoramic picture uh, in your eyes, and you just scan the whole place and soak it in and and the players feel it too, TJ. You know, when, when players get there, when there's those midseason random games or St. John's is playing more and more home games there, um, the opposition feels it. They get excited. St. John's loves it. And then when it's tournament time, it's just got this great vibe of, of the audio bouncing back and forth between programs. And um, it, it's special. It, it's, it's just different. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, when you, if you get a chance, go to the Garden for a Big East tournament game because whether you're a college hoops fan or not, you will sense something different and you will sense that there is something special happening and you want to be a part of it. And then once you get that taste, man, you just keep looking forward to that week in March and you, and you can't wait. It's an absolute grind, but it's a glorious grind. You know, TJ, where you're just sitting there and you're like, four games on Thursday? Fantastic. Bring it on. I wish there was a fifth. I wish there was a sixth. So it's, uh, it's a really special thing and and a lot of it is because the history of the Big East, uh, the moments that that tournament has produced, and the venue. And you put all those together, it's something really special. Yeah, no doubt about that. And again, Fox has got the exclusive coverage uh, on that. Okay, so we spent the first segment on this podcast, on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, talking about the two... Uh, Tuesday night, wild for different reasons, Bluegrass State games, Kentucky, LSU, and then Louisville-Duke. I have said my piece. Rob Stone is about to now have the floor. Kentucky, LSU, what say you about the end of the game, the no call on the tip-in by Kayville Bigby Williams that, that cannot be reviewed? What say you about the ending to that wild game that LSU won by two? Well, you know, so much of my DNA is in soccer, and and soccer has been one of those sports that's really adapted and embraced um, reviews. And whether it's bar, video assistant, refereeing, um, you know, the concept of Big Brother, I, I think it's necessary. I, I think it needs to be put in place. And, and hopefully college basketball, the NCAA is intelligent enough, and I believe they are, at least on this facet, that they will see that there's, you know, there, that there's the potential for, for an unjust outcome and that it is worth their time and their financial investment to step up and say, hey, if this is, if this is uh, impacting a win or a loss, that we need to be able to review these things. And, and it's silly. They, they do enough reviewing if they think, you know, an elbow or a forearm inadvertently came into contact with the head, and I'm all for that. But clearly when an outcome is on the line, they, they should be looking at those things. Going big picture, TJ, 
you know, LSU has quietly been under the radar, I think, for most of the season because in the SEC, everybody's talking about Tennessee and waiting for Kentucky. And a lot of folks have been waiting for this week for Kentucky with the LSU game and the Tennessee game coming up. And this was kind of, I think, laid out to be Kentucky's coming out party for this week. Like, hey, they've gone through their ups, they've had their downs, but here's the week where they come in and, and they take that fist and they pound it across the SEC and say, guys, just a reminder, we're still the we're still the Wildcats and we're still the Blue Bloods, but it's LSU that comes in and gets the win, which says a couple things to me. Number one, Kentucky's still not there. Number two, LSU needs to be given a hell of a lot more credit than they are. And number three, people just aren't talking about Tennessee yet. And I don't know if they ever are going to talk about Tennessee until they make uh, an Elite Eight Final Four type run into the tournament this year. Uh, we'll see if they can do that. All right. Uh, the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, at the time we're talking, it has not quite been 24 hours yet since that happened. I think most of America still wants to know, how did that happen up by 23 yeah. against Duke? What are your theories? Uh, give me some thoughts. Well, one of the theories is uh, the coach was Mike Krzyzewski, and, and that covers a lot of bases <laughs> right there, right? I mean, you have an ultra-talented team. Uh, that's young and hungry, and you're led by one of the greatest coaches uh, this sport will ever see. So I don't think anything that comes out of Duke should really ever surprise you. Um, the Louisville campaign has been so odd. Remember, they go to Chapel Hill, and they absolutely pounded the Tar Heels, um, you know, handing Roy Williams his worst home loss in Chapel Hill. Uh, and then they, they come back home, and North Carolina essentially handles them from start to finish. And then you get this Duke program and, and the, the lead they had, and, what was the percentage that they had to win the game? It was like 99.7% uh, <laughs> chance to win the game at one I point. I thought the percentage then, was 107% chance to win that right, game right. by 20. According to my math, it can't go above 100. But, yeah, I, you know, your, your point is well taken. So, um, for me, it's always interesting to see how programs rebound, you know, how these young student athletes and even the coaching staff rebound from this. Because Chris Mack in his first year at Louisville, He's still feeling his way out. You know, I will say they trust him, but they still want to know, all right, how's my coach going to react the day after? What are practices going to be like? What's the message in the locker room? How do we respond in, in our next game? As for Duke, um, I, in my eyes, I think all it does is it continues to solidify that they're the front runner, that they're my number one overall seed. You can give me all the, uh, the data and the logistics and the eye test and all the you know, all the stats that you want about who belongs where and who your number one seeds are. But to me, Duke is going to be your number one seed either in the south or the east, but depending on what venue is more um, accessible for that program. And I think they are clearly the team to beat. And you get a comeback win like that, uh, as somebody said, a comeback for the ages. All that does is give you more and more momentum as this is the time of the year where you want to start peaking, where you want to be playing your best ball. And by the way, Duke and Carolina haven't even met yet. We've got a couple great courses <laughs> online for that, right? So uh, I think this Duke team is, is clearly on track for another national title. couple more minutes with Rob Stone of college basketball coverage on Fox. He's with me on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Kevin Rogers will be back with some more Thursday night underdogs, and we'll look ahead of the weekend games, too. We love underdogs on this show. Um, and look, a couple more points uh, that I made earlier. You didn't get to hear me make them. Chris Mack's team wasn't supposed to be any good this year. All the scandal at Louisville, 
Uh, they they maybe exceeded right. expectations. I wonder if they don't slide now because they they play Clemson at home, but they've still got to play at Syracuse, Virginia twice, at Boston College. That could damage them psychologically. We'll find out uh, what they have. And I jokingly said, look, Zion Williamson may go on to a phenomenal NBA career. He's going to play one and only one year at Duke. That's his one and only one time to play in that arena at Louisville. What an all-time memory. I know it's a collapse, but if you were at that game, you will never forget that he and Duke never. came back from 23 down to win the game. You're yeah. talking about that for the rest of your life if you were in the arena. So yeah, that, that, that in the block, right? I mean, oh. I've had non-basketball fans like, did you see that block? That video? <laughs> I think it's, it's augmented by that one kind of unique video angle that you don't see very often. Um kind of all the way down the length of the court. And I think it just it amplified and, and even uh, gave more um, more love to, to the effort that he made. And, uh, yeah, if, if, I'm, if I'm an NBA team right now, I'm not telling my team to tank. I'm, I'm explicitly yelling at him, and I'm writing them letters, tank, 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 give us the better odds for the draft lottery because he is shaping up like a guy who can absolutely be a game changer at the next level. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm happy to have him here at College Hoops, and, and that's that's where my passion is. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, it's one year. We know it's the one-year deal, and he, he chose uh, to go to one of the premier programs, and it's going to be wild, like you mentioned. I mean, how about how about Duke? We're going to move on, but Duke Duke's still got to play at North Carolina this month now we're talking about. Still got to play at the Carrier Dome. Still got to play at Virginia Tech before we even get to March. So let's see. ACC's a beast. AC, yeah, ACC yeah. and Big Ten this season are just absolute beasts. Not that they normally aren't, but I think uh, this year more than ever, they, they are just the, the absolute monsters of college basketball right now. And, you know, the last couple of years, the Big East, um, you know, a smaller conference, but they, they made a lot of noise. And now they're, they're looking at anywhere from two to four seeds. But I, I like where Villanova and Marquette are going, and I really like the future of Georgetown led by Patrick Ewing. Um, I think they're going to – they got another – uh, kind of upset or two in the books this season. And if I am putting money on a program to look out for next season and beyond, it's the Hoyas. That is the voice of Rob Stone. And again, speaking of the Big Ten, we saw Michigan State get a big win on Tuesday night at Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan stubbed their toe at Penn State, a team that had only won one right. Big Ten game. You'll have Michigan and Maryland as the leadoff game on Fox coming Saturday. Uh, of all the games that you have on Fox and FS1, we'll see if Michigan uh, can bounce back. But Big Ten going to be very interesting. Very deep conference. Who's going to end up winning the thing? Uh, it, it'll be fascinating. That was shocking, though, on Tuesday night. I mean, Beeline even got thrown out of the game that they lost at Penn State. Welcome yeah. to conference play. Yeah, apparently that was only the second time he's ever been tossed from a game, and the first is when he was coaching at a community college. <laughs> but, you know, the Penn State... Uh, arena, it's just it's bizarre. It's you know they don't get great attendance there. The the atmosphere and the environment obviously lack, and a lot of programs have problems going in there because it's just so flat. Um, but the Big Ten is it, it's a beast, and every time you think you figured out the Big Ten, they change the rules on you. You know we spent weeks talking about this is a two horse race. This is Michigan, Michigan State, and the two Michigan schools are going to bloody each other and. It's up to them. And then you turn around, it's like, oh, wait a second, there's Purdue in second place. Uh, they were trying to make it a three-team race, and now they're the, the second team. And then you, you look at how tough it is to win traditionally at Iowa and Wisconsin, and Michigan State has the drop, and then they pick themselves up. Ohio State has a great start, and then they fall. Northwestern is constantly on the cusp of, of where they are. And then Maryland is that one team 
that one program I can't figure out because there are days you look at Maryland and you go, oh, yeah, this is Elite Eight. You know, Bruno Fernando and company, and they've got, they've got the little guys, they've got the big guys. They've um, got talent across the board at all positions. And then you look at the record and you say, wait, what happened? What happened with them? But if I'm Michigan, I'm Michigan State, I see in Maryland on my schedule, hey, we're spending a little extra time uh, going over the X and O's, we're watching a little more tape, and we're practicing a little bit uh, with a little bit more gusto because I, I think Maryland continues to be that one sleeper team from the Big Ten that, that will scare scare a lot of people, will cause some, cause some folks some grief come March. We shall see. And again, Maryland-Michigan will lead off five games on Fox and FS1 this Saturday. Rob Stone will be part of the coverage there in the studio. That includes uh, Providence and Xavier. It also includes Iowa later in the day against Rutgers. Iowa has come on with a couple of wins, including a win over Michigan, uh, a comeback win over Northwestern as well. So we'll have all of it. Listen, I I would love to to keep going on and on with you, but you've been gracious with your time because this guy's getting ready to get into the studio and work another another night of college basketball uh, for Fox. Great time of the year, and we're headed to the best month uh, in all of sports, the month of March and the madness and the mayhem. We look forward to all of it, including watching you guys at the Big East Tournament uh, when it rolls around at Madison Square Garden. Rob Stone, thank you. Great to catch up with you. I appreciate your time, sir, talking college hoops. Anytime, buddy. Let's do it more often. Back in once more on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. I am your somewhat capable host here. Here is Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, Vegas insider, back with me. Uh, We're still contemplating all all of those great comebacks and those great numbers. Remember, Duke won a game against Maryland uh, back in the 2000 season when they were down by 10 with a minute left. It's very famously referred to as gone in 60 seconds. That was the year of the Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie movie when they stole stole 50 cars in one night called Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, Very similar that the Maryland lead that year was gone in 60 seconds uh, with Jason Williams making the big shots. Uh, Jay Williams now, as he's known. Uh, on ESPN's coverage, so it, it can happen in the final moments of games are never over, never over, uh, as long as you've got plenty of time left on the clock for comebacks. What was it, uh, Iowa, on the weekend against Northwestern was down what, uh, Kevin, I believe 12, 12 or 13 with about th- two and two minutes left, about 13 points with two and change, hit the game-winning three-pointer with no time left, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, so, it was a pretty impressive win and oh, a terrible loss for Northwestern. Yes. Totally taking a step back but this year. But games are not over. If you have time on the clock and possessions – you got to keep playing. All right, so let's turn to more underdogs. Earlier in the show, you took the UTEP Miners on a Thursday evening. It is Three Dog Thursday. Do you have another game on Thursday night that you like, sir? Yeah, I'm going to roll the dice in the Pac-12. I know they've been bad of late, but the Arizona Wildcats, they're going to Utah to take on the Utes, who have actually played very well in Pac-12 play since they had a bit of a rough start to begin the season, and they they had a couple of losses early on in Pac-12 play, but they've been playing better. But Arizona did beat Utah in overtime at home in Tucson uh, back earlier in Pac-12 play, and, and somehow the Wildcats are just totally unraveled. Losing at home to a really good Washington team, who was the top of the conference, but then losing to Washington State, who picked up an improbable sweep last week over mm. the two Arizona schools as a double-digit underdog. So uh, I think that Arizona will, will bounce back here, even though 0-5 straight up in ATS the last five. But, uh, you know, they're a team that over the years has been pretty good in that first game on the road. I know they, they were blown out uh, at USC in that first game uh, a few weeks ago, but they won at Stanford. 
earlier in Pac-12 play in that opening game, and, and they've been pretty good the last few years in that. So, I mean, I just think that Arizona, you know, you try to take them to get back on track after back-to-back home losses, maybe going on the road, getting some points here. And uh, Utah's in revenge mode, but uh, Utah also coming up two road wins. So maybe they have a bit of a letdown here. I'll take Arizona. And, of course, Arizona, under so much investigation, they've already gotten rid of one uh, assistant coach in that whole Adidas FBI probe with the Department of Justice. There's another There's another coach that is embroiled in the controversy and may end up being fired here. Sean Miller under fire with his assistants. Let's see if Arizona comes to life on the road in Salt Lake, and they get three points in that matchup in the Pac-12. And Utah hasn't been as good as you would think at home. They have a couple of home losses in the conference. Uh, they lost to Nevada. No shame in that. Who's in the top 10 out of the conference at, uh, at Salt Lake. The Huntsman Center. Let's see if it's good to Arizona on Thursday night. I will also take another Thursday night West Coast Pac-12, uh, or not in this case Pac-12 underdog, but a West Coast underdog out of the West Coast Conference, the WCC. I will go with the BYU Cougars in their matchup with San Diego. Let's pop quiz Kevin Rogers. He's the all-knowing senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. University of San Diego, not San Diego State, who we know is the Aztecs, San Diego, do you know the nickname? I'm just pop quizzing off the cuff. Yeah, you know the, the Toreros. The Toreros. That's and why I'm not he even is. Looking at anything, so That's why he is who he is. You're outstanding. The Toreros, not the Torpedoes, not the uh, Toros like a bull, but the Toreros of, uh, of San Diego. San Diego at home favored over BYU, but I, can't, I like BYU uh, in this game because they have hung in as an underdog, especially uh, as of late. So in this case, they're getting five points. Again, this is a conference dominated by Gonzaga. There's no shame every year. Gonzaga seems to wipe everybody out and win about all but one or two of their conference games or go undefeated. But this is a BYU team uh, that comes into this game uh, with San Diego having won four of five and seven of their last nine games. Um, Again, Dave Rose always has an NCAA-caliber tournament team. I will take them and the five points here against San Diego. They're one of the better teams in the West Coast Conference. BYU was wiped out at home a couple of weeks ago. Gonzaga beat them by 30, but they bounced back. They beat Loyola Marymount at home. They went and won by 30 points themselves at Portland, came back home and beat Pacific by 10. Just give me BYU out of the West Coast Conference here and the three points. They will win this game. Kevin, they will win the game with the Toreros outright on Thursday night. I am going BYU Cougars. I'm no Mormon, but the Fighting Mormons will be ready in this Thursday night showdown. couple of moments left here on Three Dog Thursday. We referenced earlier Kentucky uh, doing battle with uh, LSU and suffering that loss. At the time that you and I are taping, we don't know about Tennessee and South Carolina. The likelihood is that Wednesday night game in Knoxville that we don't know the result of, Tennessee should win. So if they do win, they've won 19 in a row coming into Rupp Arena. Let's talk about that game for a half second. Primetime game on ESPN. Does Kentucky bounce back? We assume Kentucky will probably be a small favorite, right, at Rupp Arena at home, even though Tennessee's number one. What are your thoughts? I got to believe Kentucky's favored, and I mean they were laying nine to LSU, and obviously Tennessee's better than LSU. But I got to believe that Kentucky, even as a two or three point favorite against Tennessee, I mean obviously depending on what they do against South Carolina, most likely they'll beat South Carolina. But uh, you know you never know. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be an excellent game. I mean this Tennessee team can just score points in bunches, and we've seen Tennessee. I mean you think about it in conference play. Off the top of my head, the Alabama game they probably should have lost at home. But besides that, 
they've been pretty dominant. Yep. And Kentucky and Tennessee are always rivals, but it's not a great game. But this is going to be a very good game, though, Saturday night. Titanic uh, for right now, especially with the longest win streak in Tennessee's history potentially on the line. I keep qualifying this. You may know if South Carolina stunned them. Again, I thought South Carolina was going to be good against uh, Kentucky a couple of weeks ago when Kentucky rolled in there and Kentucky beat them by 25. So I don't know about Frank Martin's Gamecocks uh, for this year. We'll find out. Uh, and again, that's the matchup on Saturday. A couple of other intriguing games. Kansas State currently leads the Big 12. They'll host Iowa State Saturday afternoon. Watch out for Steve Prohm's Cyclones of Iowa State. Will they get their act together here and maybe upset Kansas State in Manhattan? They're, they're going to be the underdog. We don't have the lines in front of us. They're probably going to be the underdog in that one. Might your Seminoles have some problems at Georgia Tech? On Saturday afternoon, I, I don't know. We'll wait to see no. how that one. Probably no. not, but the, you got to line no. up and play the game. Would LSU have some problems uh, at ten and one in the SEC at Georgia? I know that's ten and one against one and ten. Again, no. it's, it's no. I know, no. but it's conference play. I mean, look again no, at Michigan. Crane's admitted his team stinks. No, yeah, I know. Well, but I mean, look at Michigan at Penn State. It was the same thing on Tuesday night. It should have been a walkover for Michigan, and yet Penn State won the game in conference play. Just be careful. Uh, for some of these different matchups, Nevada going to Wyoming in uh, in Laramie late night Saturday night. Nevada leading the Mountain West at ten and one. Wyoming's two and eight in the conference. If that's a close game, remember where you heard it here on Three Dog Thursday. It could be a battle. We'll find out. All right, that that Tennessee Kentucky game is obviously the big one. So uh, again, so much college basketball, but there's much more going on in all sports, including the NBA. And Kevin, you guys have got it all covered at VegasInsider.com, sir. We do. College basketball in full force. few weeks left until we hit March. NBA, a little quiet this weekend with the All-Star break in Charlotte and the All-Star game on Sunday night, but then they'll be back at it again next week for the second half of the season. NHL still continues. Major League Baseball getting underway with spring training. You wouldn't know it since some of the big free agents have signed yet, but uh, <laughs> still a lot going on. And even, the, even your favorite league has started. The AAF is underway. Yes. One week in the books. Get your San Diego fleet gear for uh, for that. The what well yeah, the what opener, about the so. Orlando Apollos? I mean, we're all going to be sporting the Steve Spurrier Orlando Apollos gear right about now for the uh, for the AAF. A little spring football while we're at it. How about Steve Spurrier's never lost an opening game as a head coach ever anywhere? USFL, Duke, Redskins, South Carolina, never lost an opening game. How about that? Florida. Florida doesn't matter. Yeah, Florida yeah. probably probably yeah, never probably never lost an yeah. opening game uh, in high school or anywhere else that he played. So impressive yeah, they, there for well, the AAF. Steve Spurrier. I think he scheduled uh, a cupcake in the in week one of the AAF. <laughs> they're going to play. Florida, they're going to play so. Appalachian State this weekend yeah. in the a, in the AAF. But again, you got all the info there. Uh, NHL got NBA All Star Game coming. You got everything that you could want with uh, with baseball and all of it at Vegas Insider, right, sir? Yes, VegasInsider.com. Check us out on Twitter at TwitVI. Even if the NFL and college football are done, no big deal. We still got plenty going on uh, at Vegas Insider. And obviously, once March hits, March Madness will be very big for us, too. So uh, just stay tuned. And uh, yeah, you got plenty of action every single day. So that's no all doubt. Really ask for. Follow this man at VI Rogers for Vegas Insider at VI Rogers. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Kevin has got the UTEP Miners on Thursday night, getting 11.5 against Louisiana Tech, and he's got Arizona in the Pac 12 against Utah. I took Arkansas State in the Sun Belt, getting five in their matchup at home with Texas State, and BYU as a road underdog, West Coast Conference at San Diego Thursday night. 
Let's see what happens with some of the games this weekend, and that Tennessee-Kentucky game is going to be a huge one. Kevin, thank you so much. Great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the games. All right, TJ, thank you very much. There is Kevin Rogers. My thanks also to Rob Stone of the college basketball coverage on Fox for being with me. We thank you for being with us. Again, subscribe to the show, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Find us as part of Three Dog Thursday. Our friends at RadioInfluence.com do a great job of promoting. Also, for your Alexa, for your Echo Dot on your on your Google device, search for the Three Dog Thursday Morning Minute. Keep up with us all week long with the college basketball info and underdogs. Three Dog Thursday Morning Minute. For Kevin Rogers, I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Enjoy the games here from Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is a Rush the Field quick fix on Radio Influence. Justin Fields, we were all expecting this to happen. He received his waiver from the NCAA, meaning he doesn't have to sit out a year, which would be the normal rules. He can play immediately for Ohio State this year. That's huge for them. Of course, it's 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 monumental for the Buckeyes that they're going to have Justin Fields as their starting quarterback this season. But it brings questions to mind, Chris. Like, what exactly... What a hardship did Justin Fields go through that the NCAA would grant him this waiver that he doesn't have to sit out a year? The guy was eligible to play in the bowl game for Georgia not only a couple of months ago. Yeah, he was. The hardship that they ruled on was an incident that took place outside a Georgia baseball game, which was apparently racially motivated by a Georgia player who was subsequently kicked out of the program. And look, I mean, we all know there's a lot of ugliness in the world. Um, there are a lot of stupid people in the world that, that uh, tend to, um, you think we, we, we'd be beyond the point of people, um, you know, acting that way, but we're not, it's, it's like any other part of society. Um, that's what happened. Now, whether that justified, getting immediately eligible. Hey, look, I, you know, racially charged atmosphere, you know, um, I, I, w- I want to leave and I'm not comfortable here. I want to be eligible immediately. Well, they, they kind of obviously ruled that they could. Now, is that a very liberal ruling? Look, I wasn't there. I heard about the incident. I, I don't know, you know, how – exactly all the details how it played out but i've heard different things i didn't know if it was going to play out scott in terms of him getting immediate eligibility but it was and i i listen i i I never am surprised by the ncaa and how they do things rush the field with scott seidenberg and chris leadry can be found on apple Podcasts, stitcher tune in radio google play and radioinfluence.com